Hi, I'm Meredith. And I'm Kristen. We'd like to welcome you to the writer's story. We are having some cold, cold weather in Virginia, which is not what we're used to, really. And, um, That's right. Despite it being January, I mean, it is winter, but still. I know. I know. And a lot of snow. I just... A lot of snow. Every weekend we've had snow. I been, know. I realize I've been shoveling every weekend. <laughs> and nothing seems to melt because it is so cold. And so I'm really over the whole winter thing, but... Uh, yeah. uh, I just that always happens to me well, tomorrow's February that always happens to me in February <laughs> just uh, I make that transition from oh it's so lovely and cozy having nice warm sweaters to when will this end <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh well it is a good time to write and it's a good time to think about writing and be connecting with people yes. who are writing and yes. getting into, I mean, we're so hunkering down in our little worlds, pandemic wise and winter wise, that it's nice to be reminded there is a bigger world out there. And in that world are wonderful people doing creative things who are wonderful conversation partners in our own creativity. So yeah. I'm excited that we'll be talking about that. Yeah, today. and I and I think that, you know, I think that a lot of people go into writing thinking, wow, I'm going to have to spend all this time by myself and this is pretty lonely. And actually they're they're kind of right about a lot of that, but I think that they don't always understand how important the writing community is. And now some people find their community through social media, um or trying to do it through Zoom and that kind of things. But, you know, one of the things we really, we wanted to talk to your friend about today is about conferences and other ways that people can get together and meet like-minded souls. Because we don't all live in places where there's a lot of writers maybe writing exactly what we're writing. I know um, with your focus on climate fiction, Kristen, you've looked further afield than Charlottesville. I mean, there are some folks here that you've, you, you are from your community, but you also look further, you know, away and. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a relatively new thing for me. You know, I mean, all of my publishing thus far has been nonfiction related to academic stuff for general readers out of the Bible, but um, and related to biblical studies, which also I've tied, you know, tried to tie to some of these issues and concerns about justice and environmental issues and so on. But um, yeah, I had the wonderful opportunity, everyone does, I think, to listen to some panel discussions that happened at this year's Sundance Film Festival about um, writing, in this case, of course, writing for film and television. Uh, about environmental issues, but some of the um, conversations people had, of course, extended beyond those media to any kind of creative endeavors. And what I loved was this really collaborative kind of emphasis on being there for one another and encouraging one another, knowing that you're not alone in whatever it is that you're feeling and thinking about what you might be seeing and experiencing so yeah i'm just i'm really excited to have uh, virginia pie with us tonight so virginia is yeah as you mentioned a friend of mine we met uh in writing communities in richmond and have continued to be involved in a 
um, writing community together for quite some time. She is the author of Shelf, of Hap- Shelf Life of Happiness, is a collection of short stories that won the Ippy Award, which is amazing, and novels. The novels, um, historical fiction, River of Dust, and um, Dreams of the Red Phoenix, both of them these beautiful novels. She also has been really amazing um, at connecting with other writers. So she was the chairman, uh, chairwoman of James River Writers in Richmond for many years. She also has been and continues to teach. She does some teaching, I think, through Grub Street, Grub Street's Muse, um, also through New York University, the University of Pennsylvania. Um, she's been involved in Marketplace mm-hmm. Conference in Boston. She is a board member of the Women's National Book Association, which is pretty cool. She's been a fellow at the VCCA, the Virginia Center for Creative Arts. Anyway, she has tons of experience with um, both you know, the solitary business of writing and also this um, connecting with other writers in formal and informal um, contexts. And it'll be great. It'll be great to get her perspective and hear about her experience and how how it affects the writing process for her. Yeah, it'll be really fun to to chat with her. Well, let's call her up, shall we? Hello, how are you? Hi. Hey, Kristen. Hi, Mary. Hey, Jenny. Hey, nice to hear your voices. <laughs> Thanks. It's so great to have you joining us. Thank you so much for um coming on the show in this this cold January. I know. And we were just um, whining and complaining about how cold it was and how our snow doesn't melt here. But we understand you really got hammered up uh, up north. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We had um, two feet of snow here in Cambridge and Boston, Mass. And um, and the roads were perfectly clear today, um, you know, wow. one half a day later. It's really amazing how efficient it all is, but it is going to be a pain because it's going to stay cold for quite a while, and we're just going to have two feet of snow around. Well, or, it's more than know, that when they winter. when they when they move it all to the side, then you have those walls of snow. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I I, I went pain. I went to college in Northampton, Massachusetts. Oh yeah, and you really oh, yeah, didn't see well. the dirt until May. <laughs> That's right. That's how it is. Yeah, it's weird. Anyway. Yep. 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 Yeah. Well, um, we're really eager to start sort of at the beginning with you and, and have you tell us a little bit about how you came to be a writer. Aw, well, um, I don't want to say it's a long story, but it, it is a long story and I'll make it shorter. Uh, I started when I was young, like around age 10, I started writing poems and I studied, you know, I loved English class in high school and I started writing short stories in high school and um, actually in middle school. And then I ended up uh, going to a college, going to Wesleyan University, where I um, kind of finagled my way into a class with Annie Dillard for poetry. And she promptly told me after a semester that I wasn't much of a poet, but that I should try fiction. And so I tried that and then I studied with her for another year in fiction. And I was very, very lucky. to have her as a mentor and someone who encouraged me and in fact that sort of made all the difference in a way I think my maybe I would have I probably would have persisted as a writer and taken it on anyway but it it really um, she taught me a lot a lot a lot and I wanted to carry on so um, I ended up 
getting jobs in connected to publishing. And then I worked for assistant literary agent in New York City. I first moved to Cambridge and worked for Little Brown in Cambridge and um, with, with English college textbooks. So not something I was really that fond of, but you know, I kind of thought that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to do something around writing. So that would mean publishing. And then uh, my husband and I moved to New York. Actually, he was my boyfriend then. And um, I went to grad school at Sarah Lawrence. I got my MFA there. And that was really just a two-year program. It was sort of just an excuse to have time to write. But I did have some great teachers there. I had Joan Silber and Alan Gorganis. And I learned a lot from both of them, which is great. Um, and then I just, in New York, we stayed on and uh, he was still in, my husband was still in school and um, in grad school. And, and then I started working as an assistant literary agent. And so it's kind of like I was doing all these things around the edges of writing while also writing. Um, and I read uh, screenplays for Laura Maratella pictures and I had to synopsize novels for them. And that was really quite a, you know, probably as good an education as the MFA that I got, summarizing these big books and trying to assess whether or suggest whether they'd be good for movies. Um, and anyway, I just kept writing. And um, pretty soon, shortly after graduating from the two-year program, uh, MFA program at Sarah Lawrence, I got my first agent. And that was very exciting. And I wasn't, I was so shocked because she was sort of a big, she was definitely a big name agent. And, um, and she agreed to try to sell my first novel. And I was thinking I was going to be the next Mona Simpson or she also happened to be somebody who represented Raymond Carver and like all these big names. And so I was quite intimidated, but also really excited. I was 27 and, um, and she didn't end up selling it. And she took her about six months to come to that conclusion. She handed it back to me and I was just floored. You know, I didn't know what to do with this because I had, you know, I had, had this trajectory, you know, I knew where I was headed. <laughs> Why didn't they? Um, and so I was thrown back on my heels and meanwhile, I'd started teaching writing and composition and a little creative writing through the extension program, um, NYU school continuing education. Um, and then we moved to Philly and I taught at UPenn and uh, also writing and composition. And so I kind of pressed on with all that, but the discouragement was quite heavy from that rejection, um, from that experience not turning out. Um, there was some way that I had, you know, pretty much convinced myself of what, what way I thought things were going to go for me and they just didn't. And, um, and so I learned a huge, some huge lessons there and I, picked up my pen because back then it was a pen and um and I started writing again and I wrote another novel and I showed that to the agent who I was working for in New York I remember that and then I don't know it kind of never quite took off that novel never quite got finished um and I ended up um having we my husband and I had two children and so I paused the writing thing. And when I finally got back to it, about five years later, I was just writing longer pieces about being a mother and went back to poetry a bit. And I pulled together some women writers who I just knew from Philadelphia where we were living by then. And we wrote um, write, writing about motherhood. And so it was starting to come back to me writing organically. And then the minute 
our second child uh, went to kindergarten, I started writing a new novel. And that was, would be the third one. And that one ended up getting an agent. By then, we were living in Richmond, Virginia. These are all moves due to my husband's work. He's a uh, art museum, contemporary art museum curator, and more recently became a art museum director. Um, but anyway, moved down to Richmond, and that was where I started working hard on a new novel. Um, and I got an agent for that one, and that came really close to selling. And then I wrote another one, and that same agent was interested in that one. And so, you know, now I've had two agents, what, four novels maybe, and um, and what happened? And then I finally had like a fifth novel that I've been working on for years. It was actually kind of a revision of the very first novel that the first agent took. And, and by the way, the reason I'm telling this in such detail, because I think there are a lot of people out there like me who have all these stories of their... Yes of their false starts or their attempts or their agent that didn't quite work out or the book that almost sold. This is not an unusual story. This is just completely normal, I think, from what I understand. Um, anyway, I, I, you know, by this point, I was starting to help run James River Writers, which is the literary nonprofit in Richmond that I did not help found, but I came in as the, in the first group of people right after the founders and I stuck around and I ended up being um, head of that board for about 10 years and helped run it. And, and you know, so I met a lot of writers coming into town and giving talks and I interviewed a lot of writers and, um, you know, sort of just around the world of writing and publishing. Um, and so, you know, I really have been doing that for decades, um, except for the period where I was sort of more exclusively raising kids. Um, and. I, I had a, this novel that what harkened back to the very first one, had parts of it that were from the very first one, kind of stole things from the first one. And this wonderful woman who had been the former editor of fiction for the Kenyan Review and was herself a novelist, a short story writer, her name is Nancy Zaffris. Um, I met her and I ended up working with her at a place in Virginia called The Porches which is actually pretty near to you guys in Charlottesville, just um, in the countryside near, not too far from Charlottesville. And at that time, Nancy would lead 48 hour workshops with a single writer where she would kind of dig into your manuscript with you. And she did that with me and really taught me so much in the span of, I guess it's less than 48 hours. Um, and I ended up writing after that meeting with her a novel called River of Dust, and I worked on it very quickly. It took me less than a month to write the first draft, which is kind of crazy. And I sent it to her. I said, Nancy, I think, I think I've got something here. She read it, and she immediately sent it to her editor, and two weeks later, I had my first book contract. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is years and years and years of writing books. It took me five years each maybe to write them. And then they each had their long, um, you know, kind of odysseys uh, that did not end up in publication. And then finally, I got the right kind of help and the right time kind of clarity on a story. And I wrote it really quickly. And I got the book contract literally within about six weeks of conceiving of this new book. So which is kind of crazy. You don't really normally do that. But 
it was all this accumulated knowledge, I think, <laughs> that I just sort of put towards this manuscript. And so the upshot was that book came out in 2013 when I was 53 years old. So I'd had my first agent when I was 27 and a hotshot agent in New York. And I had my first book um, finally come to fruition at 53, so twice my twice that age. So. I don't know. There's a lesson in all this that I'm trying to share, <laughs> which is persistence, patience, and keep trying, keep going at it in all the different ways that you can. I, um, I love your, just the way you talk about um, your craft, because I think you were only able to write that book so quickly because of having four novels already under your belt and having the yeah. MFA program yeah. and continuing to be a student. I think that the way you, you know, the humility of which you approach working with new, you know, people who bring new ideas to you. I mean, I think that's, that is part of like sort of the maturity of, a, I think of a good writer is that you're not just closing yourself off and being like, well, I know, I know what I'm doing. You know, you're continually going and saying, yeah. if does anyone have anything yeah, that have will help me or, you know, Right. You have to have humility and you have to assume there's like a really fine balance. I think you have to assume that what you're writing is worthwhile and it's worth someone caring about it besides just you. And yet you also have to, I think you have to assume that if it isn't being, if it isn't hitting its sweet spot, if you haven't found that yet, then it's not quite there yet. And a lot of people, I think, end up getting a little defensive and end up thinking, oh, it's just the market, and so I'm going to self-publish now because mm -hmm. the market's just wrong. Well, no, the market's actually a lot of times quite right. And the point is the book that I did sell, which honestly I think was maybe my fifth or sixth, actually, that first book, River of Dust, um, was so much better than the other novels that I wrote previously. Um, it was really a finished, accomplished, it deserved to be published. And... I love those other books, but they weren't ready yet. And, you know, I think you just have to be kind of hard-boiled about that as a writer and, and um, try to assess it. And um, I'll just add that I then wrote a next book within the next two years, and that came out in 2015, and then a collection of short stories, and that was called Dreams of the Red Phoenix. Um, and then the next book was um, a collection of short stories, because I've been writing short stories all along and submitting them and submitting them to contests and winning some things and running up, getting being a runner-up for a lot of things, honorable mention and this, that, and the other. So that's another way of trying, trying to get your name out there and just trying to get the feedback and the, um, it's a combination of reassurance and also just learning from the experience of, of trying things and actually being rejected. I think it's a big, big part of it. So anyway, and that book is called Shelf Life of Happiness. And that one came out in, um, what, 2018. Yeah. And these are so, some, those are the three books. And that's a long story. Sorry to take so much time no, on that. But it's, been, it's, it's kind of a great. long tale. It's great. And like you said, I think a lot of people have somewhat similar experiences. But I think a lot of people bail before, um, after a couple of rejections or a couple of... Um, you know, false starts, so to speak. And yeah. so to hear your story is really, I think, inspiring and it, it should be encouraging, I think, to people who are, are um, 
they have a, have stories, have a story. They're working on want to get out. Know there's something to it that is valuable and worth sharing. Um, and even if right. they don't know that or feel that because they've been so beaten down by rejection, yeah. to yeah. Um, to keep to keep it alive, to keep connected to a community, to keep reaching out and learning um, is is yeah. really. Yeah inspiring and encouraging I think for a lot yeah. of listeners whoever is listening I, who is a writer I know it is for me yeah. I mean goodness mm-hmm. I've written a bunch of drafts of novels that have gone zero nowhere mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I I um part of it is I love the act of writing and I came up with a new idea and I want to follow that line out <laughs> but um to yeah to hear your story yep. I think is really really valuable well, one um, one thing to keep in mind also is statistically, um, I've heard a number of editors for literary journals, and frankly now I'm one too, um, say that women don't resubmit. Women try to get into literary journals with their short stories or their poems as often as men, but then they get rejected and they don't come back. And the men mm-hmm. keep coming back until they get something taken and women may try a second time but they don't try a third and a fourth and a fifth time which is really what you need and and incidentally I discovered that with the short story submissions and I found I thought I, I learned a really important lesson which is you know many years of um, form rejections and then after a time I started to get back little notes those literally one sentence notes and back then they were mailed back and so they were handwritten underneath a, um, a form xeroxed rejection um, it'd be a little something like i like we like this you know try us again or good characters but not 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 right you know or something for us try us again and you know these little you know little shot in the arm just little but then you have then back then you'd have somebody's initials and so I would go to the masthead I would try to figure out who is this so uh-huh. then you go and you send your next submission to that person that editor because you you've done your homework and so and then maybe they write back and then you have a little bit of a communication then you send the next one to that same editor and seriously after five times or something six times six stories that is separate stories you know they they finally are like okay all right you persisted enough. We have a sense of who you are, because um, a lot of it is relationship building, actually, with all of this. Um, because a lot of times the piece of writing isn't perfect, and so you're actually asking other people to help you make something perfect, mm-hmm. and or as close to perfect as you can figure out together. And so they've got to have some sense of who you are. Um, that's why cover letters matter and past experiences matter and just persistence matters. That's, I'm yeah, sure. Um, I encourage women especially oh, yeah. to stick with it. And I'm sure you as a as, as someone who works now at a literary journal know this really, really well. But I've had students where they sort of have this um, this view that there's this faceless, um, you know, sort of a Darth Vader-like person who's this agent or editor who's the gatekeeper and they really just want to say no and they're looking for excuses to say no and and the explanation i always say is like first of all these jobs sometimes are not paid are not paid or definitely not paid very well and these are people who only do it because they love writing 
They love reading. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They love, and their dream is to open up this submission and find something they fall in love with. And so, yeah. So yeah, and so to think of it in that way, it's a I, just sort of a twist on it to me. But I just feel like, imagine just write something that they're going to fall in love with. Like that's your mission, not not to you know right. make so they they can't say there's no way they could ever say no. And and right. and that they're also they're human beings. You know, absolutely. And so you're trying to make the, um, that human connection, which means not putting yourself in the position of a sort of victim to someone else. Like instead, you are appreciative of them. You know, you're thanking them in advance. You're um, you're when they always say, you know, read our journal, blah, blah, blah. What they're really saying is care about us a bit. OK, I mean, you don't have to fall in love with us, but at least care about us enough to see if, if we are a good fit and then we'll see from our perspective whether we're a good fit well the, the things that i've so heard that sort of a mutual thing yeah the yeah. things that i've heard from agents that seem to be the most hurt is when someone does some kind of mass email to you know all these agents you know and is not identifying them personally you know and, oh, and yeah, just sort of sending it out to everyone i don't know i didn't know people did that that's a well you know idea. it's obviously not recommended <laughs> because you are treating them like a faceless mass you're treating them like publishing like dear publishing i've written this amazing book and you we all are going to be fighting for it you know people get confused and sort of end up putting themselves in the child's role and they sort of think there's some kind of transference about parents and all of this you know that or teachers or something and and really you you want to think about yourself as a partner um, and so you're trying to find the right fit with another partner, someone who um, you can learn from, but also you can offer something to the relationship. And um, you're not better than them, and they're not better than you. You're just working together on something. So um, I think that's, that's nice. more healthy, you know, to try to think of it that way. Yeah, yeah. that's nice. Yeah. So Jenny, you got an MFA. A lot of people talk about one of the values of an MFA is that it connects you or it helps you make connections. But you also have, throughout your professional career, developed connections independent of that. Or do you have advice for folks thinking about, um, you know, connecting with writing communities or how to get some of that support and help with their writing if they don't have an MFA? Well, yeah, I think this is like the, the, the seriously fun part of being a writer is that fellow writers are just the best people. Like, I just have no doubt about that. I love writers. I mean, they're more interesting. They're funnier. They're more interested in language. They're wittier. They read more interesting things. Like, why wouldn't you want to be friends with writers? They're the best, <laughs> right? So anything that gets me where I'm connecting with them more is is great and it's a good way of supporting my writing because i learn from fellow writers what they're figuring out with their careers what they're figuring out with the business of writing of, of publishing and um and writing and you know um, what they're reading etc so anyway just an advertisement for fellow writers um but yeah no i've lived in a number of different places as i just mentioned and in each place i've connected to writers and there's different ways to do that. If you're lucky enough to live in a city where there's a non, a literary nonprofit, where there's a writer's organization already in place, then join it. Have fun. Get, go to the, when you can, when we're not un, and unable to attend events, go to the events, be there, 
stand around awkwardly, not figuring out who to talk to, but make yourself stay and start talking to people. And, um, you know, share who you are, what you're working on, ask them what they're working on. Writers love, love, love to talk about their own work and what they're up to. I mean, they may not tell you the details of their work, but, you know, just what they're up to. Um, and, you know, start to connect. And um, so I was really involved, involved with James River Writers in Richmond. And up here in Boston, I've gotten involved with Grub Street Writers um, Writing Center. Um, not quite as much as I would like, but be partly because of COVID, I guess. But I, but I have gotten involved. But I've gotten to know a number of women writers up here. We're all quite professional. And we connect on a Slack channel, you know, um, a, um, you know, online way of connecting. We don't necessarily see each other, again, because of COVID. Um, there's a reading series that I end up being part of. And um, I don't know, just a lot, a lot of different things, um, a lot of different ways. And, and I think you just have to have that same attitude I was suggesting before, which is that these are your peers, these are your comrades, and it's to your advantage to get to know them and vice versa. And, um, and you just get to have fun with that. So um, I'll tell you something, if, if, if I'm not talking too much here, but I'll tell you a fun example of this. Um, so just three, four days ago, five days ago, I think I signed a contract for my next novel. And I'm very excited. It is going to be come out in the fall of 2023 from Regal House Publishing, which is an indie press that publishes literary fiction. And I'm very excited. It's a it's a woman, uh, two women started it, and um, it's women run. Um, though they they publish books by people of all genders, um, but anyway, I really like this press. And um, literally, my first day as a Regal House author. So the next day, last Friday, um, I was hooked into their Facebook chat group. And this is with just fellow Regal House authors. And I immediately started noticing that there were like four or five posts where people were asking each other, fellow writers, about what it's like to work with a publicist. And I actually worked with a publicist for my last three books, for my the three books that are out. And I'm right in the midst of starting to interview publicists for my next book, this novel that Regal House is going to publish. And I was like, I noticed everybody was asking each other sort of the same questions, but nobody really had the answers. People were saying, you know, direct message me if you know, you know, like how much it should cost or whether I should do this or whether it's a good idea to work with a publicist or what's involved in working with publicists. And so I was like, you know what, this is really inefficient. Like we're not, we're not getting anywhere here and I don't have the answers, but I want to ask the same questions. And so I put out a post that said, you know, how about if we get together on a Zoom and share what we know and ask these questions and, you know, pool our information so that we're not just doing it by direct messaging. So every time somebody said direct message me, somebody else would say, me too. I was like, that's not really, that's not going to work. <laughs> so anywho, the point is I put out this thing and now it turns out that like 25 or 30 it's, it's getting up there. It's about, I've heard from all these different Regal House authors who are going to join. Uh, we, I put out a doodle poll to them, to as many of them as wanted to. And so we're going to do it uh, Wednesday night, a couple nights from now. And there's like 25 or 30 of us. And then I was like, oh, no, 
we are all going to get together and not know enough between us. Like we're just going to share anecdotes about what we've learned. But so I invited, in fact, the woman, the publicist, Caitlin Hamilton of Caitlin Hamilton Marketing to join us on Wednesday night. And she's actually going to teach a little seminar on what it's like to work with a publicist and what's involved and, you know, answer all these questions. And so she's going to give us an hour of her time, which is awesome. She's happy to do it. And I was like, okay, this is, so that is like my little example of what it's like to try to think not just about yourself as a writer, not just what do I need and what do I want and, you know, all that, but also like, what do we need as a group? Like what's, going to move us all forward um if any one of these regal house folks and i hope they do gets publicists and they get greater attention that's really great for the press that's really great for me it's you know what i'm saying it's like i really think the what's expression the water lifts high water lifts all boats Mm -hmm. you know that Mm -hmm. expression (laughs) so long story but i think it if you can take out the competition if you can just have in mind that you know, we're all pursuing a similar goal and let's just do it together and um, move things forward. So I don't know. It makes me happy to go to other people's readings. I buy a shitload of new books from fellow writers, (laughs) go to the readings, buy their book. I know it's expensive, but buy your fellow writers books, have them sign it. So they know you've done it. You're starting a relationship by doing that. They may seem like they're too hot, they are hot shot to know that, but it doesn't matter. Just do it anyway. And that is how you start. You just start putting yourself in that conversation by thinking of yourself as a peer. That is just great advice. Thank you, Jimmy. So can you tell us a little, congratulations on the new book. Will you tell us a little about it? Thanks. Um, sure. Yeah. No, thanks. I'm very, very excited. I've worked on this since moving back to Cambridge, which is where I grew up. Um, I moved back here six years ago. And um, and it is called The Book Lovers. And it's a novel, a historical novel set in the 1890s in Cambridge and Boston. And it's about a woman dime novelist, a woman who writes romance and adventure novels mm-hmm. in the world of gentlemen of letters. And she is sort of put down for the type of writing that she does, but she's highly lucrative, very successful, and in fact, uh, supports her publisher. And the book starts when she decides she doesn't want to write that kind of thing anymore. She wants to write something truer, more realistic, and that turns her publisher against her and her everything falls apart and she has great adventures and um it's sort of an odyssey and a um but and then in the end she ends up suing her publisher for underpaying her as a woman so a little bit of a me too story a bit of an adventure story and mostly it's just a lot of fun getting to play with some of these sort of adventure romance tropes um and really about the love of reading and writing Oh, I can't wait to read it. That sounds fabulous. That sounds wonderful. The book lovers. The book lovers, and it'll be out in 2023? Fall 2023. Great. That's so exciting. I know, I'm very excited. I'm going to, you know, have fun sharing it in Virginia. Hopefully we can be back all at bookstores again. I know not all bookstores are doing events, but. I hope so. I really do. Yeah. I think that would be so fun. 
Absolutely. I know. I love I love book events. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank well, you it's so been much. So great. Thanks. Oh what my goodness. Virginia well, thanks Pye. Thanks for giving me this opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> so fun. And, uh, no, and it, it can't be winter forever. We're going to have a thaw and um, <laughs> can all well, come back to out. you both. And good luck with both of your writing. You know, that's the thing of it. We're just Thank all you. plugging away at it. It's good. It's that's, true. That's right. Well, yeah. it's been so great to hear your story. Inspiring and, gosh, encouraging. And just... Yeah. Um, it's, it just feels good to know there are other writers out there who want to be in community with writers. And of course, Absolutely. you're speaking to the choir as far as writers being the best people to hang out with. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get I, no you argument know. from us, Jenny. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I love that. I think that's great. And thank you for doing this podcast. It's so great. It's such a great Oh, it's really fun. Really appreciate it. So... Thanks. Thanks for having me. Sure. Awesome. Take care. Okay. Bye. Bye. Well, it was really lovely to meet her virtually and hear about her journey. I just think she's so right. So many writers get very, very frustrated and they buy into the whole overnight sensation story that the media really likes to tell about people. And, um, you know, and, and it's just, there's so much work that goes into to writing and, takes a really long time for most people and to be really accepting of that is difficult but I think it's super important that persistence and patience that she was talking about yeah yeah I so appreciate her candor sharing her story and um and with such grace you know to have um just kept working kept working at her craft kept working at developing community and um and to have enjoyed the process right along i mean of course there are setbacks and she shared that that sometimes are really hard Mm -hmm. but um the love of letters the love of writing um, reading and and yes all that all that's so important and i you know and it was nice to sort of reflect on how um you know we have helped create our own community here and help participate in a writing community and through this podcast try to support other writers um which i think you know has been incredibly valuable it's been incredibly valuable to have spend this time i feel like i always learn something from our guests and um and also just leave with sort of renewed energy and focus um so that's always so that's always wonderful and i my other writing community that i have that's super important to me is um the writing group that i'm in the mosley writers and um we just had our first session last week and they read the first 15 pages of my new thriller and and it was was really wonderful to have that conversation and and get to hear some feedback um, you know, I'm always a little nervous when I'm, you know, I'm only 25,000 words into the book and I'm figuring things out as I go. Um, to turn in 15 pages always seems like, oh, well, who knows what this is going to be like. But, you know, it was great to get positive um, feedback and also, you know, helpful suggestions. 
Good, good. So. Well, I know you've been a really important part of that writing group, and um, and you are an inspiration to me. I mean, that you are so um, you you treat your writing professionally, and you work hard, hard, hard at it. And so nice to get some of that feedback from those yeah. experienced writers in that group. Yeah. No, and I think um, you know you get what you put into it, and. Um, and I'm very, you know, and, and they are a very curated group. Um, you know, the person who's in charge of the group really thinks about who's going to offer, um, great feedback and who's talented writer and it's going to be enjoyable to read their work. And, and I mean, we have a picture book author in there as well as people who write essays. So it's all different kinds of writing. It's not like anyone's just yeah. one thing, but it's, um, I would say that they're all, it's always enjoyable to read what people have written. That's and, great. And that's just terrific. Well, lovely as always to spend some time with you and, um, Indeed, I, with you. Yeah. And I, well, I'm sure we'll have something exciting uh, for February once we wrap our mind around February. <laughs> yes. <laughs> One month at a time. One month well, at a time. Yeah, great to chat. And I look forward to catching up again uh, in February. I hope that our listeners are weathering winter well and um, and writing on if they're writers read on all of us yeah um, yeah and uh and hope and and can february be snowier hopefully not <laughs> <laughs> time will tell time will tell well i will see you next time sounds good bye bye, -bye. bye.